0: modern
1: modern modern Modern. we're prepping for a voyage modern the force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration why don't you make that a double modern bar cart what's shaking cocktail fans welcome to episode 139 of the modern bar cart podcast i'm your host modern bar cart ceo eric koslick Thanks for joining me for another fantastic interview episode where we seek out the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I have the opportunity to get to know two awesome bartenders-turned-consultants, Susan Eggett and Alex Maynard. They're the masterminds behind the new beverage program at Sobre Mesa, a brand spanking new Afro-Latino cocktail lounge opening in Oakland, California. Inspired by Chef Nelson German's desire to celebrate his Dominican roots and African heritage with cuisine and beverages that sport a distinctly new world flair. But let's face it, opening any sort of bar or restaurant is a massive undertaking that requires an expert eye for the use of space, people, ingredients, and money. In this conversation with Susan and Alex, we have the chance to really look under the hood and understand what that means. But before we get into all that, let's take a quick pause and give you the chance to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Bar Resto, which is a signature drink that Susan Eggett developed for past guest Chase Babcock's delicious Saint Benevolence Clarin. To make the Bar Resto, which is a tribute to the many little roadside eateries in Haiti, you'll need one and a half ounces of Clarin, preferably Saint Benevolence if you can snag a bottle in your area, three quarters of an ounce of fresh pineapple juice, a half ounce of fresh lime juice, three quarters of an ounce of fresh celery juice, a half an ounce of falernum, which we'll get back to later on in this interview, a quarter ounce of green chartreuse, one small pinch of sea salt, and one whole star anise pod. Combine all your liquid ingredients, plus the pinch of salt, in a cocktail shaker with cube ice. Give them a good, hard shake to make sure you really froth that pineapple juice. Then strain into a highball glass, over ice and garnish with a mint sprig, a slice of pineapple, and that star anise pod. I got to try the Bar Resto Cocktail last year at Tales of the Cocktail, and wow. I'll be honest, I still think about it, which says a lot about both St. benevolence Clarin and the brilliant mixological mind of Susan Eggett. Speaking of which, let's get back to the interview. During this conversation with Susan and her bar consulting partner, Alex Maynard, some of the things we discuss include why Susan and Alex both decided to return to their native Oakland after very different careers and how cocktail culture has evolved in the city over time. How Oakland has developed its own community-centered bar identity separate from the gravitational pull of the San Francisco cocktail scene right across the bay. What it takes to curate a bar program like the one at Sobre Mesa, where the food and drink need to be in a direct conversation with one another. It's not an easy task, but we get into the weeds about how they were able to pull this off. What hiring strategies can be used to build a team capable of opening an ambitious bar and restaurant concept, and how Susan and Alex are utilizing Caribbean ingredients like soursop syrup and jerk seasoning to give guests an experience both completely foreign, but also extremely homey and comforting at the same time. We also chat about the merits of salt and cocktails, the similarities between bar teams and basketball teams, where to grab a drink with Dean Martin, and much, much more. If you've ever wondered what it's like to open a bar or to take a project from concept to reality, then this interview is a must listen. Whether you're in the industry or someone who just appreciates a well-run bar, there are tons of little nuggets of wisdom in this chat that'll help you along with your own future projects or simply allow you to enjoy a drink at your favorite bar all the more. With that, please enjoy this really rich conversation with the stars behind the bar, Susan Eggett, and Alex Maynard, Susan, Alex, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank thanks you for having us. So, could you uh, go ahead and just introduce yourselves for our audience? Most of my listeners are on the East Coast, so uh, just tell us who you are and um, how you got into bartending. I guess would be a good place to start.
0: Cool. You want to start? No, you go. All right, I'll start. <laughs> um, my name is Susan Eggett. I have been bartending for about 15 years, um, but some of my work life has also included summer camps, higher education, animation. So, one thing I found about myself is whatever I was doing I loved kind of helping a team come together and achieve a goal uh, so currently now I found myself with really bad knees and I loved bartending but my body won't let me do it anymore and so Alex and I kind of connected over that and wanted to find a way that we could continue to work in this industry but perhaps it's it's more in that team building kind of creation realm um, so that's kind of been a little bit of my origin story and how I've gotten to where I am right now.
1: Yeah, great. And what, what bar are you coming from or like where's some of your more recent places that you're coming from uh, in, in San Francisco?
0: Um, most recently helped to open a wonderful program called Last Rites. Um The thing that excited me the most about that program, I have a, a background in, in tiki bartending, um, loving that mid-century formulas of Don Beach and Trader Vic um and last Rights was doing something different their concept was not the religious iconography of indigenous cultures they wanted to embrace the mixology Mm -hmm. without kind of taking advantages of cultures that weren't their own Mm -hmm. and so i really got excited about that opportunity to take those really beautiful drinks and bring them to san francisco in a new and different way so a little bit darker a little bit less beach more adventure and jungle um, and so that program was really beautiful um, was really proud to be a part of it before that um, i started bartending in florida and puerto rico um, but i am an oakland kid so this is uh-huh. home this has always been home and the opportunity to help create a program in oakland now um, has been probably the all of those little pieces building to to this moment
1: yeah you seem very energized by it
0: yeah Uh. yeah yeah it's a it's an energizing city it's a it's a it's a hustling city um and and that's something that i identify with
1: yeah
2: alex yeah um so i've been let's see i retired from bartending (laughs) about two weeks ago um, Congrats yeah I think that we could find a study to do because it seems that Susan and my body broke down at mm-hmm. exactly the same time we know this for a fact because we grew up around like uh, corner from each other that we didn't realize until recently um, maybe it was that corner maybe there was something in the water over there <laughs> seriously I mean I'm saying studies should be done Yeah, it's a shoulder for me but still uh, yeah I mean very physical job that I've always loved doing and I think that was part of the draw uh, I play basketball, and the team aspect of it seemed like a fit. Uh, the other options I had, doing nighttime work when you're trying to audition and do the New York City actor thing, uh, it's pretty boring, so I yeah. uh, started as a busboy barback, back, and um, actually, funny, tragic story for that person, uh, mid-shift one night someone said something they shouldn't have said to me in front of the owner of the bar, and he swapped us like on the spot and that was how I started bartending. It was at like 11 on a Friday night and we were slammed. Oh, And So now my bar back hates me forever uh, (laughs) and I barely have any idea what I'm doing. Um, But the energy level, you know, and and just, you know, the the people watching the interaction, um, I think has always been the main draw for me. I'm a writer, so you get a lot of material uh, with with doing this job. So, I mean, I've done dive bar, sports bar, high volume club, like Red Bull vodka style. Uh, I've worked in Miami, San Diego, New York, and here back and forth a few times. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think it wasn't until there was that shift of the craft bartender being hospitable that came back in style that I was really able to like, hop back in seriously. Until then I was just like, all right, this is just how I make my money, you know? But when it was like, if I know how to make some drinks that you've never heard of, then you're at my whim. Like, I I was never a fan of that thing. So yeah, glad we got past that. (laughs) And um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, now it's it seems like, I don't know, it's it's blowing up even more than I, like the way that we still find ways to increase and grow this world is crazy.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, I, what I really like is the commonality that you both share with the, the team aspect, right? The basketball and the, mm-hmm. just the overall emphasis on teams. Um, I love watching basketball. I love how um, it's a, a group of people who all have different skill sets and it's like, you know i, I look at uh, a, a soccer a football match and they all kind of look in you know there there are roles but they they kind of look very similar in terms of body but then you, you go you look at a basketball court and it's just like you know a, a 7 foot guy a 5 foot 5 foot 9 guy pushing the ball forward or girl, and um, it's it's uh, it, it's that's why it's one of my favorite sports to watch because it's a game of mismatches, and it's it's about finding those puzzle pieces and fitting them in where they work best. And I, I think um, for this project that we're here, kind of covering as the main part of this interview, I think that that fits really nicely. But before we get in to this beautiful room that we're we're in. Um, before we talk about what this program's all about and what it's bringing to the Oakland cocktail scene, you're going to have to catch me up because I don't have a whole lot of experience with the West Coast in general and with Oakland in particular. I've stayed in San Francisco a few times. I've had the luxury of um, checking out some, some great bars there in the Tiki space as well. I was, I was a big fan of uh, Zombie Village. I uh, know Doc from judging at ADI. And uh, last night I was actually at this beautiful bar called Wild Hawk. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful place as well. So I've got a bit of a sense, maybe a core sample of the San Francisco scene. Uh, can you both kind of walk us through Oakland and what the cocktail scene has looked like, maybe from when cocktails started getting popular to the current date? Sure, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I think some cities, every city is gonna have programs where people really care about what they're doing across the country. Um, Some cities, like San Francisco, New York, New Orleans, they're gonna have a a more concentrated amount of those. Um, Growing up here, I always referred to San Francisco as, I would just say, we're going to the city. And there was always Mm -hmm. just a little bit of more polish, if you wanna say, because it was like, oh, we're going to the city. And Oakland was always home. And so there was always a little bit more of familialness that I I, that still resonates today um, helping open a program in San Francisco I know I noticed it was it was a little more of a scene and it felt a little less like a neighborhood Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that Oakland has held on to and a lot's changing Um, there's a lot of new businesses big businesses a lot of new housing developments coming in and I, I part of why I think we're both doing this is we want to hold on to a little bit of that n- familialness and that neighborhood feeling, that feeling that you're creating a community even within the bar. Um, so cocktails I think have translated from that. Um, it's always been a little s- still crafted and still delicious and still thoughtful mm-hmm. and a little less uh, theatrical, If, if, if fussy. You might, a little less fussy. Um, uh, it, and there's there's a place for there's a place for it all but i've always felt like oakland um there was there's always been it's we're a little more friendly um the sun shines a little bit more so i don't know if that has anything to do with it um but yeah there's a a level of of friendliness and and sharing where no one's trying to be be better or, or one up anyone else and you're all just kind of getting in and, and, and having this experience together. So for me, I always enjoyed that environment and I enjoyed kind of being able to to cultivate regulars and, and create an atmosphere where people people can drink for a lot less at home. Um, when we worked on a documentary for Oakland Cocktail Week, um, we featured the dive bars. And that was what one of those owners said. He goes, you can drink for a lot less at home. He goes, you're, you're coming to a space because you're looking for for that that connection. And so I think Oakland has always been really good through through all of the changes at, at kind of fostering that. Um, and and co- cocktail-wise, I love that two Oakland kids have gone and traveled and then come home and we've brought all the things we've learned, all the people we've been lucky to work with and, and experiences and places and um now we're able to kind of let that trickle out from us and and there's just another level of education just by being who we are and Mm. wanting to share that with people um but yeah there's there's definitely been a shift but oakland has always just felt a little bit more like a like a neighborhood like a community
1: alex what do
2: you think um I agree, I think I have a theory behind why all of that is and Oakland has always had this like big city mentality, right? But it's I tiny. Mean,
1: you've got your own football team, at least for the
2: tiny well, <laughs>
0: Yeah. Five,
2: four, three, two, one. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it's 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 kind of like my, my French bulldog, like she sometimes will see a huge dog and think that like she could probably take that dog and like Phoebe you can't. But and a lot of times Oakland does win, you know what I mean? Um, because it's heart, you know, and it's heart unmatched. Yeah. Um, so there's two byproducts of this kind of big city mentality when you're a small city for me. Um, one is everyone is kind of held in check. It's kind of self-policed because of how small it is. So. As soon as something leaves someone's lips, it's down the block, you know, and you can get a reputation that's really bad very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you get a bad reputation, no one's going to want to come and sit in front of your bar, which means eventually no one's going to hire you. And in other cities, uh, like Miami, for example, there's a million jobs and it doesn't matter how you act because you can get another job tomorrow just from, you know, working at another place. Here we don't have that luxury, also partly because we are just now building this culture, right? It's like, you're talking about New York and how they have all of these bars. It's like the amount of one style of bar they have is more than all the bars we have in Oakland. You know, we haven't hit yet the part where we're going to be breaking into like these subcategories of different styles. Like right now, Oakland is stoked to just have this new level of craft where it's legit people care the passion is there mm-hmm. um you know then the inventiveness is there and yeah it's, it's building it's everyone can see it it's cool
1: i like that i like a lot about that actually that's a really cool theory and what just occurred to me as you were talking about like you know kind of not lagging behind the pack but like you know like not having to deal with that segmentation is that i have been gravitating more and more in my life as trying not to be on the bleeding edge of anything trying not to be the first person through the breach um and that's kind of nice because the people in san francisco and like the bigger cities have done a lot of the hard work of opening up certain areas of access when it comes to like what stuff you can serve you know uh, some of the uh, and certainly on the East Coast in some places, in some of the older states where there's blue laws, some of the regulations. Um, So it's kind of nice to be able to walk into a a situation where you have a lot more possibilities on the table for what you can do. Uh, I think that takes some of the competitive pressure off and gives you a little bit more time to to be creative, kind of in the way that you were talking about, Susan, of like uh, the bee leaving the hive, Mm -hmm. going out, landing on a bunch of different flowers and then coming back with that completely unique pollen pattern and, and contributing that to the flavor of the yeah. honey that the hive makes. Um, I, I think that's uh, it's a really unique opportunity and a, a cool space to be in. Uh, so let's talk now about this uh, venue that we're sitting in. Uh, first thing I thought when I came through the door was like, man, I love this green color. Yeah. Um, wh- what is this space? Who is involved in it and what's the project?
0: Um, Chef Nelson, uh, he uh, is uh, Dominican, uh, grew up in New York, and then got his first restaurant here in Oakland. Made that happen. It's Alamar. And so he wanted to create a bar space celebrating his Afro-Dominican roots and creating a a cocktail program cocktail forward program with beautiful bar food to kind of complement that yeah so uh Tapa style food menu um there's a few programs in oakland starline social club contiki that have delicious bar food and i think we're adding another layer to that where it's it's a cocktail bar first and then you're gonna just be blown away by the richness and the beauty of the food Um, so he approached me and he wanted support because he is a fantastic chef um, doesn't know as much about what happens behind the bar and he approached me to help kind of curate this program and then because of our connection um, and how much fun i had helping with last rights collaborating with with a a buddy and then Alex and I were, were talking about our, our body ailments, and, and I, I said, I, I have to get away from being behind the bar, and I'm really excited to help Chef achieve his vision. And so he what he wanted to create, very tropical, very lush, very rich, um, not a tiki bar, but kind of exploring the rums of the world, the agave-based spirits of the world, the piscos of the world, and then letting people know like, hey, you can also do these really interesting things with your gins and your whiskeys. And so the idea to help him create that concept was exciting for me um, to collaborate with someone that I very much respect um, in every sense of the word of the way that he works and the way that he supports a team and crafts cocktails. I was like, that would be that would be really fun for me. So I, I got involved. I, looped my my all-star here um and we've just been helping chefs identity kind of come to life and and usually when i craft a cocktail i start with a concept um Mm. and then i think about what formula do i know that can execute that concept and then it's what flavors will be interesting and work well so i always think backwards and then I think with this project as well, we were thinking backwards. We we're like, okay, this is the overall concept. This is what we want people to feel, and then how do we how do we figure out that in every step? And I think the programs that are successful find those through lines because mm-hmm. when you sit in a place, it feels seamless. Every the, the music, the the lighting, the cocktails, the food. Like if it all, if it's been thoughtful then you are comfortable and you come back. And so I yeah. think we've been trying to help Chef achieve his vision and um, he, his palate is fantastic. So thinking of what are those culinary angles we can bring into the yeah. cocktail program. Um, and it's it's been a really fun challenge.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts, Alex? Uh,
2: I mean, it was a no-brainer for me, obviously. As soon as Susan started talking about it, I think my eyes probably got a little bigger. And then she... I could see the gears turning and it's like, wait a minute. And I think literally the next day she was like, yeah, so that thing I was talking about, we're doing that. I was (laughs) like, cool. Um, uh, Consulting, uh, it's not something that, so before StarLine, uh, about five years ago.
1: And that's, so just to give context for for our listeners, I don't think we we necessarily introduced it too well. That's a fair point. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that and then go back to to where you were going. Yes, yeah, so about Starline? Yeah, let, just give, give us a sense of what Starline is, what yeah. it does. Uh,
2: so, we are a community center when we are really doing what we're supposed to do, but we are a restaurant, bar, music venue. Um, and it started because of its destination or its location. It, it was kind of considered a destination spot because it's off of the Telegraph Strip. Um, and it was like, oh, I have to walk all the way down this block to get there. But, you know, to be fair, five years ago, that block was not the nicest block. Um, it's it's crazy five years later to know like this building that's going to open up around the corner is going to be like I think the tallest building in Oakland. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't help but kind of feel like we had some some part in that on positive and you know kind of remorse just looking around it what's happened in, in the community. But, um, Stalin was a really interesting project just because it was three different bars at once. You know, that's what, what I had to work with to start. It was figuring out one at a time, but like, like then physically three different literally bars. three different bars. So mm-hmm. like there's the, the main restaurant bar, then there's like kind of the side area and then there's the ballroom. Um, that is a lot. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think it's kind of like learning how to juggle, right? It's like you're just throwing one ball, then you're throwing two, and then eventually you're just like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> Some, sometimes you drop a ball or two. Um, but it was a lot of fun, and I, I mean, in all of the consulting projects that I did in San Diego previous to that, I think it kind of helped me get ready for Starline as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Nothing could truly, like, prepare you for that. Um, but it's... I mean, looking back, it's just, it was a really, really fun, interesting time, and it gave me a lot of new tools to work with uh, coming into a lot of situations that are going to come up for us in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's Starline. Fast forward to this project, yeah. um, which is called, I don't think we've mentioned it yet.
0: I mean, we, should, we should probably, we should probably <laughs> name the bar. Uh, sobre Mesa.
1: Sobre Mesa. So
0: in Spanish, it kind of translates to over the table. and in thinking of a sense of the the camaraderie the fun the silliness that happens after the meal is over so chef describes it very beautifully when he says you know sometimes before you eat you're like oh you're a little anxious you're hungry That there's kind of some uneasiness maybe feeling and then you've had your meal you've you've had a few drinks and then after the meal, that's when some of these really special moments can happen. Yeah, And so that's kind of that feeling is at the heart of what he wanted to create. Mm. And so a really fun opportunity to to cre- kind of create that space um, where you are ha- having folks come in and, and feel at home and so like kind of the ultimate level of hospitality, the ultimate way that we know we're doing our job right is trying to create that that Mm. sense
1: seems like a very different focus than starline right it seems like uh like a very lots of eye contact lots of like you know like instead of instead of trying to figure out a synergy you're trying to kind of isolate what the energy of the place is how has that been so far uh i mean i think it's
2: it's different it's a different talent challenge in the pace right Mm -hmm. you know because like you're saying, the intent, um, trying to make sure that you're like pinging that cord with each individual guest is much different than kind of this focus game of numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I know that four out of five people are going to like this. So I can, you know what I mean? Where here it's like, no, every single person, we're going to knock their socks off every time they come in because that's the level that, we know we can achieve with having a controlled space mm-hmm. you know um the way i won't go too much into it but the way that chef uh, kind of has his vision for how the service will flow really dictates kind of that interaction of mm-hmm. someone getting a not over forced but very attentive detailed experience which mm-hmm. is awesome yeah yeah it's, but very different from what i've been doing
1: most definitely yeah that's Man, I've really enjoyed listening to your stories about this. I'm not a bartender by trade. Uh, I've spent time behind bars, like just sort of because I wanted to. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just I, I kind of get goosebumps listening to you guys talk about it because it's something that I, it's like, oh, I cow. This sounds like fun. Like, we're going
0: sure, to make you stay and work a couple shifts with us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm sure it's not nearly as fun as it seems in my head right now as soon as you have to like get, get the actual work done. But um, you know, one thing uh, that I've been thinking about um, listening to your stories and your backgrounds is, um, you know, as you've mentioned, your collaborations with Chef, you're kind of that cocktail side of things and he's the food side of things. What kind of considerations come into play when you're designing a menu around food? I know, Susan, you touched a little bit about that, but I was wondering if maybe you had some examples of the way that you are planning to um, have this conversation between the the food and the drink. Do do either of you have like examples that you can kind of lay out for our listeners and take them through your logic about that?
0: Well, I think one of the things that impressed me about Chef, Right off the bat, when we started talking about what the drinks could be was he was also conceptual. And so when I would kind of introduce an idea or something I wanted to try, even from as simple as soursop syrup, he was like, oh, that's really prominent in Jamaican cuisine. And so then we went down this Jamaican route and like, can we can we incorporate jerk spice? And how does that how Mm -hmm. what would he what would he use for a small bite? And then how could we use that to translate into the cocktail? Are there certain spices that he's working with that then we can use those in the cocktail? Are there Mm. tinctures that we can make? So wanting it to really um, pair well flavor-wise together um, and give people super refreshing, delicious options that are... I I always try and achieve two things. I want to kind of blow your mind a little bit. I want to give you flavors that maybe you wouldn't have thought to put together. When hopscotch opened um, down the street, they had a cocktail and it had scotch, jalapeno, blackberry, um, and I would never have thought to put those together, and they did, and it was fantastic. And so I love it when someone offers me something that I wouldn't have thought to put together, but then it also tastes really satisfying and comfortable mm-hmm. so like that it's a hard it's two very different things but when they or when you're able to hit that sweet spot um, I remember there was something I, I drank um, after dinner it was an Italian restaurant and I had taken my grandmother and she hates going out for Italian food she's Italian and she will do the we could have made this better at home uh. <laughs> and I, I there's uh, one place where I can take Corso in Berkeley I can take her there and she loves it. And they had a Vinsanto, which is like a dessert wine. Ah. And it's it's called Vinsanto because there, there's this story, and I don't even know if this is true, but I'm this is what they were telling me. They'll put the grapes in the rafters of the house because they're closer to God. And so it's, it's, it's a very rich, not-too-sweet dessert wine, a little bit more on the bitter side. Hmm. And they served it with a homemade Italian cookie, and they told me to dip the cookie into the wine and eat it. And I'd never had it before, and it tasted like everything I had ever known. And so that's always kind of what I'm chasing is something that someone has never had, but it tastes. It will give them that moment, that ratatouille moment of like that familiar, that familiarness of like this is this is exactly what I wanted, and I didn't even know that it's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Um. It, it that was probably a really long answer to what I'm you were well, I mean
1: mean, it, it's hard it's a hard to answer question otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here thinking about yeah. it before the yeah. restaurant the, the restaurant would just or the bar would just open yeah. right yeah yeah alex what are your thoughts are there any um are there any cocktails or, or projects that, that you've come up with that you're willing to share as kind of like a preview that you're kind of excited about um i mean actually the <clears throat> cocktail that susan was mentioning was
0: the soursop yeah yeah
1: what, what, what is soursop i was kind of curious about that wow so it,
0: it's yeah. a tropical fruit um it's kind of uh, with a similar consistency to like a pear um a pear or an apple mm-hmm. um it, but kind of in a puree um spiced with you know allspice cinnamon some mm-hmm. some some baking spices um, creates a beautiful viscosity for a cocktail it's got a great mouthfeel. very creamy yeah
2: kind of yeah adds, adds that real like bold layer mm. um, I think just to touch on what Susan was talking about it's you know nostalgia is the best ingredient that you can put in a drink you know yeah. and Anytime you can recreate some, uh, like a piece of someone's childhood for them in any way, shape, or form in a cocktail is a th- th- that I've felt is a good thing. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. Not not the part where people are drinking like rumple mints or whatever. No. no. Aside yeah. from that. Yeah. Um, but I also think that like that's what I've noticed with Chef is that his inspiration for stuff is all recreating these things from his childhood that were so rich and delicious. It seems like he was like, oh yeah, that's, that reminds me of my mom's this dish or you know remember like bring up being young drinking Brugal and stuff like that and mm. him feeding us all of that stuff was really helpful in kind of creating these flavors um, I think living in New York for me was very helpful um, there were not a lot of Dominican Haitian Puerto Ricans in Oakland from when I was growing up I don't know if you knew them yep. but I didn't know yep. them moving to New York it was all these amazing rich cultures that I was kind of thrown in all of a sudden, and it was really cool. Um, so meeting Chef and him falling in love with Oakland was kind of this awesome exchange program, Ooh. except we both stayed here. I didn't go back, but hey, <laughs> they, have, they have enough out there anyway. There you go.
1: Um, yeah. But I love that, but it's, it's so interesting like the way that you're both <clears throat> focusing on, on, on home. Home and childhood and and comfort. Um, I think we sort of intuitively know that when you walk into a bar or a restaurant, it's a hospitality experience, and you're supposed to be treated at least in a manner of speaking as if you know you are a guest in someone's home. But I think it's another level of the experience uh, to actually be transported there and to feel like you're in your own home or that the place that you're in somehow belongs to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think, I think what that speaks to is, is, is having, uh, customers and not just customers, but regulars, as you were saying earlier, regulars as shareholders. Um, and man, uh, that it's, it makes the task sound even, even more intimidating, right? Because like when you have shareholders, you're a publicly traded company, which means you're big. Um, so how do you achieve that bigness of scale in a small place? Like, I'm just intimidating myself right now. It works for the Packers. <laughs> That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I yeah. hadn't even thought about that.
0: We've been thinking about this a little bit lately um, in the interview process and having people come in seeing why they wanted to work here. Um, oh, yeah. Something that it was very important to both of us and that we had both experienced was finding people and I revisited a part of um, The Proper Drink, Robert Simonson's book, where mm-hmm. he talks about um, kind of the Japanese style of cocktail making that is full of intention. And that, that those intangible things of like, the care that you put into what you do translates into the drink and so what we were looking for when we were interviewing people was 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 that like do you do you care about what you do do you want to be doing what you do yeah because i mean we can create a system that runs smoothly and we can train you in technique but but is that intention there and so i think building from the inside that then it can trickle out so if there is a team of people who really care about what they're doing and really like it and want to be here, that will will trickle out and translate to kind of, that's how we're going to be able to achieve this, is if if there's a team and they're all in here working alongside each other and they're excited about what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Um, One more question before we jump into some lightning round questions here. What has been... I'll give, you, I'll give you options. What has been either your favorite or least favorite part, or if you don't want to do favorite or least favorite, what has been the most challenging and the most unexpectedly sort of like, oh, that was fun and that was like easy and it clicked into place. Ooh. You see what I'm trying to ask That's here? That's a great question. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe unexpected, you
2: yeah. know? I think for me it was the, uh, the, again, the physicality of the job, right? It's mm-hmm. like, we're we're creating 20 plus cocktails we're also tasting to fill out an entire back bar it's like you can only get so much done in a day it's like kind of cramming for SATs or something like that but i had not really gone into it expecting like how to kind of plan my day around also catching a buzz that you know wasn't really Expecting, mm-hmm.
1: um, but you can't really get around it, can you? <laughs>
2: there's no way to get around it. Yeah. No, yeah. you're you're trying to perfect yeah. something, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and it's <laughs> it's weird, right? Because it's like you're not drinking to party, which I think stopped a little while ago. That people don't do that anymore. Um, you're not you're not sad, and all of all of these other reasons that people will imbibe. It's literally literally creating, and yeah, I don't think I'd ever really had that kind of a uh, R&D session where it was all of those that concentrated, you know, when
1: building out menus in other places, it's like a couple of drinks a day, you know? Mm-hmm. I interviewed Shannon Mustafer who has a really great Tiki book out. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a very similar experience where she was yeah. like, yeah, there was just a couple of nights where I had to stay at the bar because I was trying <laughs> to build out this massive program. And yeah, that's like, that's, I don't know people it's like one of those jokes that people make that at this point like I'm sure you have to roll your eyes to like oh it must be tough going right. to work to exactly. drink <laughs> exactly and yeah. no I mean I'm not in any way like
2: blinded but it is fun absolutely oh totally um but it, you know it's, there are also limits to it yeah. which yeah even though knowing I hadn't really thought about it in that way or like <laughs> we like the night before be like all right so we're gonna do like these six drinks, yeah. and then we have so and so coming to taste this on Mezcal, then so and so for like this room, Ooh. and then uh, I think Chef has a wine tasting or something like that. It will be fine. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we were.
0: Yeah. And we are. Yeah. Um,
2: and I think some of the magic actually comes after that, too. That's kind yeah. of part of why it's. What did he say? Sorry, there's a football coach named Herm Edwards, and he said, That's why you play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I found for myself. Before I became a bartender, I was I you was so used to and very comfortable in working alone. Uh-huh. I, I knew like things were gonna be done the exact way I wanted them to be. Um, I've been watching a lot of the the test kitchen editor folks from Bon Appetit, and I love watching their different personalities. And I I can see like when someone is like how I used to be a lot, and they're like, no, it has to be done this way, and is and I I've the best joy for me has come in the letting go of that and being able to collaborate and not have to, being able to trust someone and being able to really get excited about their perspective. And like, that's been the best part for me. And Chef is so good at what he does. And he's been so generous with- um <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> You know, anybody be here today,
1: we're here. We're here. We're, 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 trying to, we're trying to do some of the pre work before it gets yeah. off the ground. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How are you? How's Eric? it going, Eric? Nice Eric. to meet yeah.
1: you. At this point, one of the yeah. partners yeah. who's helping to open yeah. Sobre Mesa yeah. dropped by, which reminded Susan of another cool story that kind of shows the power of teamwork. Just when opening it. a concept there
0: it Fantastic. Is.
1: <laughs> and that's a uh, I think that's a great example of just the community aspect that you're building you yeah. the bars not even open yet no and, uh, that,
0: that's a story we should share we that? so um, that the husband and wife team that created Mosswood in Berkeley uh-huh. um, they are a barrel finishing program so they're taking whiskeys and rums and doing different finishings on those spirits sure. and creating some really beautiful stuff so at last rites they did a special Rum blend just for us, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, Sobra is coming. I would love it if we could do this, do a similar thing, and create a, a house light rum blend that's just unique for mm. them." And chef said, "Oh, my team of investors—they're all gonna—they want to do it with us." And I had never—that was part of me having to let go of like, "Oh, these people have—they're not—they're not bartenders. They're—they're they're not spirits professionals. They don't know what to taste for." And we're all going to be together and we're all going to taste six different rums and we're going to make a blend. And the pa- everyone's palate, the- everyone's, like, they were very thoughtful. They were very humble. They were very uh, j- j- collaborative amongst each other. And I think we came in super nervous, like, oh, gosh, what are we getting ourselves into? And then it was a really, really great experience. And that's yeah. part of the kind of being open to... A, a, a team of people who really want to be a part of something and really want to help and kind of letting letting something letting something that maybe you didn't plan for come together and be better than you could have worked on
2: and an- another <laughs> note about the Oakland bar scene like your average Oakland bar fly the base level of knowledge is so much higher than a lot of other cities I worked including New York um it I, people just know their stuff yeah I, I, I don't know I and they don't...
0: seek it out they seek out what's new they seek out who's doing something different they they, they want to learn they want to yeah. engage.
2: And yeah. as a young bartender in the East Bay you will learn very quickly that you make it, it does not work you will you will get called yeah. out yeah quickly there you, go. you got to know your stuff which is it's amazing. It just helps raise the bar yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Wow. This has been really fantastic. Um it's so cool to come in and talk to people at this phase. I d I don't know that I've done too too many interviews like this where it's a, a pre-opening interview and um you know we kind of get to uh look under the hood, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and see how things are are put together. Um this has been a real treat for me. Um are you ready to do just a couple quick uh lightning round questions? Let's, do it. Let's go. What's your favorite cocktail? And if you don't have a favorite cocktail of all time, what's something you've been more recently obsessed with? We'll start with Alex. It's funny because this was a question that was
2: phrased a different way for our interviewees. Um, For me, it's depending on the day, it would be a tie between a pina colada and a grony. So I'll say Mm. a pina colada with a Campari float. Ooh. Yum. Yeah. Full disclosure, I don't drink cocktails very often. Yeah. But.
0: Yeah.
1: You feel like a jungle bird? Is that like a...
0: Ooh, Ooh yeah. there you go. Like yeah. it's in that space it's a little bit. It's
1: definitely in there, but I like that coconut too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right, fair. Yeah. I would like, next time I get a pina colada, I'm gonna ask for that float. There you go, okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: Uh, bitter Giuseppe. So Ooh. my grandfather's name is Giuseppe, so I think there's a little <laughs> love there um, for me with that cocktail, but I'm, I think we're very lucky that one of my favorite bars in the world is Price Fighter, which is here in Emeryville. And I started drinking that there, and it's it's bitter, it's a little herbal. I love that it's a stirred cocktail that you pop a little bit of lemon juice in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's I salty. Yeah, I love. I just love drinking it, and I can have two or three. It's not too too boozy, um, but it yeah it that's that's my favorite.
1: Yeah, that's an underrated move in my opinion of stirring a drink that has a little bit of citrus mm-hmm. in it underrated move i think it that's, needs to happen more that's
2: it's i feel like it's definitely a home bar go to if, if you're at home you're like yeah i'm not yeah the has decided you don't have to shake it
1: yeah. yeah the customer was me cool um next question if you were a cocktail ingredient what would you be and why
0: falernum mm. um Ooh. if you've ever worked in a program with me you'll know that i put in f- it's it's my it's my tiki background so I, I put falernum in a lot of things but I, I love it because you can't really taste it but what I love that it does for me is that it, it rounds and it brings out other flavors and that's kind of what's made me happy in the last couple years was getting to be something that maybe I'm not the loudest or I'm not the tallest but I like to I like to get good people around me and kind of be a part of this bigger drink. So Falerno. Yeah. You are Falernum. I'm Falernum. <laughs> you
1: <think so? laughs> if you were if you were a gin botanical you'd be Oris root. Yes yeah. that binder. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I'm the glue. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, sure. laughs>
2: it's me. Um I'd be salt. Yeah, which it. it's underrated, people are just starting to find out about it, but then once it's in there, it's like you can't go back to the other thing, you
1: know? Do you regularly salt cocktails? And if so, how do you, how do you do that? Do you, do you have, um, like a I I prefer salt a solution, pinch. a no, pinch? I,
2: I, I prefer the pinch over solution. Mm-hmm. I
1: just, I like feel like maybe even still
2: getting a little bit of that grittiness in there is fun for me, but mm. solutions fine
1: too, but yeah, you, you gotta have the saline. We have this uh, cocktail bitters that that we make. My company makes, and um, it's uh, Japanese bitters, and it's got a little bit of seaweed in there. It's mm-hmm. got real wasabi from uh, from Oregon. We get it shipped from the Oregon coast from the farmer, and uh, just that little. I use it like almost like a combination between a saline solution and a uh, celery bitters, Ooh. and it's like that. Just that little solution. Bloody Marys, Bloody Marys, and, and dirty martinis, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. But I actually really love it in a Manhattan because Yum. you know if you ever had those. Um, like Japanese whiskeys, they they are in that interesting space between scotches and ryes. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit more restrained, but I love adding the Japanese bitters to a Japanese whiskey Manhattan because it just pulls some of those beautiful fruity floral notes in the same way that like the salt in the caramel pulls out some of those yeah. those desserty notes. So yeah. I, I love salt too. It's I think I think salt vegetables should be in way more cocktails than they are. That's that's my take.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, here's the Widowmaker question. Cocktail with anybody, past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you drink? Just uh, paint a picture for our listeners.
2: Me? Uh,
1: It would be my dad.
2: Uh, So my dad, Robert Maynard, was actually to date is still the only black person to ever own a major city newspaper. Uh, He and my mom ran the Oakland Tribune for the 80s. Um, So I grew up in a newspaper family i think that the bar is used to be twitter kind of you know like the reporters would go to the bars to get the scoops yeah like that's where they would meet their contacts whoever um and so i think in a way that the bar flight thing has always been a part of my family just as much as the the writing aspect of it um but my dad passed when i was 13 and uh being from, he was first generation, I'm second generation from Barbados, um, he was a big Scotch guy, um, and now with my love for Mezcal, I'd be really cool if I to try Mezcal. Um, and, you know, we went to Barbados when I was was 10, 1990, uh, found, like, some of our relatives, my 106 year old great aunt or something like like that it would be cool to go back there and, and with, you know, family and actually do, do the, the rum tour that way. Yeah. Um, for sure. So yeah. Cool.
1: That's amazing. I love
0: it. <laughs> Um, for me g- growing up, um, my mom was a, I was with my mom a lot. And so then I was with my grandparents a lot. So I liked the things that they liked and I didn't really know what was popular culture for kids. Um, and so Dean Martin las vegas <laughs> at the sands after a show late 60s um he he would do this bit where he would put a push a bar cart on stage and he'd be like anyone want to mix up a little sandwich and so one of my favorite drinks that i've ever made i named the lunch cart kind of in tribute to the rat pack and that kind of for me i i see old photos of my grandparents and i see kind of that golden age of like like going out to a cocktail bar and, and dressing up and having it be something really special for people. Mm-hmm. So um, I would, and then there's just so much fun. He's such a joyful person. And to be able to sit down with him after a show and talk about it in an in a, in a almost empty bar where, it, where you're just able to...
1: Just enough people there to make it not yeah. awkward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But,
0: but get to get to chat with him after a show. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Cool. Nice um a couple more questions here uh what's a what's a common or traditional cocktail ingredient that you've never had and why my example is uh amaretto never oh. had it uh so
0: for me i i it was funny i, I worked an event last night and it, there was a floral element in a cocktail and it was very i'm maybe i'm very floral sensitive um but parfait amour is something that i've seen people use and it's super floral mm-hmm. and i think for me that's something I've, I've never tried because i usually kind of sh- i'm i'm much more in the citrusy world savory world um so for me floral notes are are are, are maybe i'm I have this i don't know but parfait more because i was like it's very floral
2: hmm. um i have never had a gibson because of the pearl onion. I remember setting up bars in New York and <laughs> I worked at this place for two years and I never saw anyone eat one of those onions and I put them back and forth every day and I was like, okay, no, no, no. Uh, I've since had some people, you know, actually make their own kind of They'll pickle. The pickle. Onion, yeah. 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 But yeah, no. That's, yeah.
1: I, I also have never had a Gibson. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's got to be like if, if someone were to say like, hey, we got this Gibson on the menu, made the onions myself, you know, last over the yeah, weekend. Yeah. I'd be like, yes, yeah, please. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Last question here. Um, what's an unusual or controversial view that you hold in the spirits and cocktail space?
0: I, I think for me, getting a little bit back to the intention um, there, I. I was thinking about it before I had read that book and kind of understood the Japanese philosophy mm-hmm. because I would, there was a rock star bartender um, from Trader Vic's and she and I were training people together um, at Forbidden Island in Alameda. And there we were training people and I was watching them make the drink and they were doing it exactly as I had asked them to do. And it just didn't quite taste right. Hmm. And so I think, I don't know if it's controversial anymore because I think people are very much on board with intention and 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 the, the love that you put into something it, it is intangible but it, it can be felt and it can be sensed um, so I think for me it that was something that I that I couldn't quite describe but it yeah. was something I had experienced and I think now maybe people are, are definitely talking about it and um, creating spaces where where intention does and do, does matter but that yeah. would probably be for me
1: more top-down
2: mixology
0: yeah yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. nice
0: yeah
2: in a similar house, uh, details I think is the umbrella way to put it. I was gonna say dilution rates and how many times I've had younger bartenders like try to put a tin hat on me because of just like clocking people's like wash lines, you know. But yeah, um, that and a bunch of other things all make up the cocktail. You know, like you're the cocktail only tastes as good as the the service that led up to you getting that cocktail. You know. I'm a jerk to you all the way up to giving you this amazing pina colada with the Campari float, it's not gonna taste that good.
1: No, it won't, no.
2: So I've gotten into it with people for, I mean I guess more recently being in more of a leadership role and and that being my job to call people out for stuff like that where before I probably would just be like, maybe I'd tell them, maybe I wouldn't depending on our our relationship, but um, details
1: for sure. I did a, a whole little mini like audio essay on um, on on wash lines, just as like uh, it, it came about from me having a terrible sazerac, and I saw it coming <laughs> it was <and> all, it, <laughs> all the way to the top. <laughs> no, no, it was it was it was in a giant uh, j- like everything about it was wrong. Yeah. Like it was made like around the corner from me, I couldn't see it getting mm. made. There's all this stuff uh, for listeners. If you want to go back and listen to that, it's called Mind Your Wash Lines. Maybe 10 or 20 episodes ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I could see that drink coming. And I, I, I was throwing shade at it before it even got placed down in front of me. Yep. So, uh, no, I agree. I, part of the reason why I do this question is so it's like a little therapy session. It's like, no, that's a good thing. That's, that's, a, that's a great belief. You keep on believing yeah. that. You're not the only one. No. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, Susan and Alex, this has been tremendous. Um, I'd like to wrap this up by having you share um, how to best digitally connect with you individually, and then also please definitely share um, info about this space, um, potentially when it might be open, and and, and how to find and and attend Sobre Mesa and try some of the awesome small plates and cocktails.
0: Yeah, so if everything continues to go as it's going, is going well, on schedule, um, we will be open at the beginning of March. So mm-hmm. we are on Franklin Street near the corner of Franklin and 17th, downtown Oakland. Um, Sobra Mesa Oak on Instagram. Um, me... I have a very silly Instagram, it's Hobotiki, H-O-B-O-T-I-K-I.
1: One of one of the stronger it's usernames I've come silly. across.
0: I, I used to have to wear a lot of Aloha wear and I would always be cold. And so I would wear a hoodie and like jeans underneath. And so people would look at me, and they're like, you look like a hobo. It's a Tiki hobo, but it's a hobo. And I was like, if I ever, and it, this was before Instagram. And so if I'm like, if I ever have a thing, that'll be my name. And then Instagram came out, I'm like, well, I got a name. And so that's, that's me.
1: I love
2: it. Uh, yeah. Instagram is probably the easiest way to find me too. I am at Ricky pretenderson. (laughs) Wow. Greatest of all time.
1: Yeah. 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 Fantastic guys. (laughs) Um, thank you so much. Um, I I really enjoyed sitting down and and digging into this. Um, I love the way that you're both approaching this from like a, from like a really grounded and, um, intentional direction and uh you know i just even the spirits that are sitting on the bar behind us that have been sourced so intentionally which is a story for another day yeah. um i can say without without any hesitation that uh next time i'm in the bay area i'm gonna be uh walking through that door and i, I hope that it's the same color green as it is right now oh, yeah. definitely um, Go so, so uh alex and susan thanks for being on the podcast thank you for having thank us you. again This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed, Bar Consulting, Spirits, and Cocktail Insights, courtesy of Susan Eggett and Alex Maynard, and a little bit of Interview Magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2020.